0: The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We're dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we're chatting with Agile 2019 keynote speaker, Lynn Kazale. Lynn helps individuals, teams, and organizations transform and transition into new ways of working. She's an international keynote speaker, author, and master facilitator. She's the author of six books, including Ish, The Problem with Our Pursuit for Perfection, and The Life-Changing Practice of Good Enough, Agilish, How to Build a Culture of Agility, as well as Leader is Facilitator, Making Sense, Creating Change, and Visual visual Mojo. Lynn works with executives, senior leaders, and project teams on their major change and transformation projects. She helps people think better, make sense of information, and handle the realities of information overload with a range of ingenious processes, tools, and method. She is a partner with uh, the Faculty of Thought Leaders Business School and is an experienced board director and chair. Lynn, thank you so much for being here on this episode today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Leslie. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to dig into the pursuit of perfection and some of the things that are uh, coming out in this brand new book. But before mm. we get into that, I'm always really just curious to hear about people's story and you know what was it about you know, your work in Agile and uh, your, the, your history that really kind of got you to where you are today?
1: Mm. Well, my background was in communications, like public relations and, and marketing, and I was uh, often involved in, in an internal consultant type of role, helping people get things done in terms of communication. And one of the roles I was in, uh, a, a team member said, hey, come and have a look at this project this team's working on, and uh, they opened the door to this office and it was a buzz with monitors and computers and people working in pairs and uh, the the manager said oh this is where we've got an agile team and i went wow <laughs> this is <laughs> this is where it's happening hey and um yeah, and every few minutes they were dinging on a bell to just show that they'd released some code and software and I've just thought, yeah, I like this. I like how they're getting things done. This really connected with me and that, that was probably about 12 years ago and so ever since I've been, you know, circling and hanging around uh, the Agile community and, and loving every minute. <laughs>
0: That's great, and I, I love that the, the ringing of the bell. Kind of, you know, the there's such a positivity bias, sort of, when you get into people that really love Agile and that that idea of celebrating things um, mm. all of the mm. time and those little rituals of around getting things done. I think are, are, are so interesting.
1: Yeah, there it was. This visible and audible sound and and reward that yes, we're actually getting through this list or we're we're fixing these things and that i thought wow that's exciting they're not having to work for 6 weeks before something's visible it was it was happening right in front of my face
0: yeah, no, I just, you know, I think about even if there's multiple agile teams around, having that kind of auditory mm. signal can mm. incentivize um, sort of a good uh, coopetition amongst yes. teams. It's like, oh, wow, they just rang the bell a couple <laughs> minutes ago. We haven't rang the bell yet today. You know, and that the kind of positive peer influence across teams that true. can really drive innovation.
1: <laughs> true, true, absolutely. Yeah.
0: When you think about, right, you know, the idea of being able to get stuff into market fast and learn from it quickly means that we've got to kind of take risks. And that might mean we might not always be perfect, mm. right? Which is this idea of the pursuit for perfection in, in your new book. Um, you know, what was it about your, your work in Agile that really kind of brought you to uh, this latest writing?
1: Yeah, it was saying over a period of time that the teams were putting things out there and then pausing on them, bringing them back, making some minor corrections and then out it would go again. And so I loved that um, conviction, I guess, that they were saying, let's see how it goes and test it out and see how our users and the customers on the other end, see how they go with it and what feedback they give us. And I just went, why don't we do this in life more often? Um, And this Seeing an Agile team really collided with my experience at the time. I'd been doing some training and performance with uh, an improvisation troupe here in Melbourne, Impro Melbourne, and uh, love the work of improvisers. You know, they make up theatrical things on stage every night and we think that it's based on a script or we think that it's been well rehearsed, and it's not. They're just operating from a, a set of principles and just as agile teams do, you know, they might not have the improvisers manifesto, but they certainly have a range of well-known, you know, well-articulated principles that really support them in the way they think and work. And, uh, and as these two things collided, I went, oh, here we go. You know, the angels were singing, oh, this, this yeah. is good, this is good, <laughs> this is how I like to work. It's creative and it's also iterative.
0: Yeah, when it's that, you know, it's that idea of, I guess, improvisation is almost one of the purest forms of sense and respond. And if we yes. talk about having a truly agile culture, right, it's that ability to dynamically sense and respond as the, as the market conditions change. And, mm. you know, what, what better than, right, learning improvisation and bringing that in here is sort of, is a way to, I mean, th- that's what they're doing all day in every moment is sensing and responding to what the other people on stage are doing.
1: Mm, that's right and and so one of the uh, skills and techniques they learn is, is under the heading of spontaneity. And so it's how do you handle things in the moment? How do you respond if you don't know how to respond? Because mm-hmm. we, we all have such a wealth of experience. And we can draw on that experience in a moment's notice. Our brain will support us in that. Our brain will provide us with great examples of what we've done and we can add it to the current situation we're in. So I think it's a great mix. And I've seen a few uh, conference, Agile conference presentations where improvisation's been brought into it. And I think it, you know, we could probably benefit from from even more of it, trusting more of our own expertise, trusting more of our own instinctive responses.
0: Yeah, um, there is something though about society that somehow I think the older we get, programs us to almost not trust our instincts. Mm. Um, and sort of a, a fear of failure to some extent. I know at least I kind of personally struggle for that. It's like, well, if I can't do it right, I don't want to do it at all. Um, and, and even though I consider myself an agilist and I'm absolutely willing to take risks, it's an, an inner dialogue that is often going on um, in my head. So mm-hmm. what what are you sort of looking towards as this anecdote to that quest for perfection?
1: Yeah, I think Keith Johnston, who is a a bit of an improvisation guru, he calls out the fact that we are always censoring ourselves and editing ourselves. We think of something great and then, yeah, the inner critic goes to work, censors it before it comes out of our mouth or we write it or type it. So. I've, I've been pursuing more of an approach of good enough, that is work right. out what the standard is, like we have a definition of done, work out what what the standard is for whatever task or project we're working on at work or in a community or family or home life and go for that and, and then let it be good enough and then put it out there and see how it goes. Um, yeah, we're not such a good judge of our own... Um, I think performance or our own the quality of our own work so it's useful to put it out there and get get some test response or get a validation that yeah that's on the right track or no I wouldn't use that or yeah that would be really useful add this to it so yeah. we know this from agile work I think we can uh, adapt some of these principles for our own life and go for good enough instead of perfection
0: Yeah, and I I think that all sounds pretty good in theory, I guess how might you coach or or mentor someone into determining what that definition of good enough is?
1: Yeah, I think you can refer to like the Pareto effect, right, the 80-20 principle, which from Vilfredo Pareto, he looked at Italy's land and he found that 80% of the land was owned by just a few people, just by 20% of the people. And this can apply to our work effort. So if we identify, say, the 20% of work that's uh, that's the most important, working on just that little bit of work will actually return us massive results. So I think the problem happens when we start working on, maybe through procrastination, we start working on peripheral activities or things that sort of take time and effort but don't really contribute Uh, to our project or task or idea so identify the higher value most important tasks and work on those because they'll often get us far enough along uh, to be able to test something out
0: yeah, it kind of makes me think about um, sometimes when you're running a workshop and you're looking for feedback at the end of the day, or even maybe just a meeting, and people might have a little indicator of their return on their time invested. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it's not just, you know, ROI, return on investment, mm-hmm. but. You know what's the value we actually got from the time we invested in this yes. um, that that might be able to be used, especially within agile teams, uh, or even just sort of in daily practice of you know i've I've only got so many hours today. Mm. What are the right pieces of value I want to get out of here? And, and are you getting that? Because I'm equally guilty of, you know, picking the low hanging fruit of little tiny minutia tasks that clear things off my list. But are they really the most value add tasks I could be doing mm. to kind mm. of advance yes. an initiative or advance a cause? That's right. So it's doing some of those more valuable
1: things and they still might be small, but it's We're trying not to waste our 80% of time on the things that only deliver a tiny 20% return and I think that's where we find perfectionism kicking in. So my view is any time we start to think I need to put more time on this to make it better, so any time you go into that mode of thinking is when I would say just pause and bring your head up and really scan across what you have done and get some distance between you and it uh, to see that actually what you've done already could be well good enough to put out there or test or use or sample or pilot or go live.
0: Yeah. So I guess people write love stories. So what's a good Mm -hmm. story of how you've really applied this to your life, you know, here in the past couple of weeks or maybe even Mm -hmm. today?
1: Yeah, well, I guess um, you know I'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast, um, and and I'm like, well, there's no video, right? So do mm-hmm. I need to put a full face of makeup on? No, I don't. <laughs> you know, my hair is up in a bun, and I've got it's winter here in Melbourne, in Australia, so I've got a long sleeve top on, and I feel a bit what we'd say, daggy, but it's the clothes, <laughs> you know. I'm fit for purpose. So yeah. this is what I believe is good enough. And it happens, I think, in if you think back over the course of a week, let's just say how you go about feeding yourself, right? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. And some meals during the week we say, oh, that will do, or mm-hmm. that's good enough. Whereas there's other times where we put in a lot more effort or we want something particularly healthy or more complex. And so our standards then change. And I think this happens with our work. There are some things where we can let them go by and it doesn't really matter. The quality doesn't matter. And then at other times, yes, we will want to put a bit more attention and focus on it. So from getting dressed in the morning to um, you know, the food that we eat, to um, a blog post I put out this morning I could have spent you know 12 hours I heard someone the other day say they spent 12 hours on a blog post and I spent about 16 minutes I think it was (laughs) and I just went bang that's good enough good enough Good yeah, enough.
0: yeah, that's great. And I think you know, listening to you talk about that and the, that variety of examples, you it really does require a level of awareness and presence as you go through your day, because this is really about mm. like intentional choice. Yes, yeah, uh, Ultimately, you what what more do you have to say about that that idea?
1: Yeah, this, the, it is this intention. Rather than getting swept along, you know, we say don't go down a rabbit hole. Well, in Australia we say don't go down a wombat hole. So we have <laughs> that big brown furry creature, <laughs> big fat furry creature gets stuck in a hole. So we don't want to go down wombat holes. You, you kind of want to stay on the surface and have a good good view or good oversight across the projects and things you're working on. I think trouble happens when you get drawn down, 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 down into the details of something and and you'd know it when, you know, time seems to pass and you're surprised at the period of time that's passed. Mm -hmm. That's an example of where we get drawn into things. And I think it happens with pursuing perfection or making something better. But there's this loss of reality almost, this loss of time, and we need to be more conscious about that. So something I do is I just set a Pomodoro, a 25-minute timer on my phone and that's my kind of first pass at something. I'll go, right, basics, 80% of the blog is going to get done in this 25 minutes, like there's no doubt. Right. And then once the timer goes off, I stand up, walk around, then I go make myself a cup of tea, come back and I'll set another 25-minute timer and that's it. The, The thing has to be posted up live, go. None of this twelve hours per blog post. It's just I just go. I've got more things, more important things to do with my time in my life, you know, broadly in my life, friends, family, my own interests and hobbies, sleep. You know, sleep's a problem. Yes. Perfectionists <laughs> have a, have problems with overworking, overthinking, and then so sleeplessness comes up, and then burnout, uh, yeah, depression, well, just- anxiety.
0: Yeah, and burnout now recognized by the World Health Organization as a legitimate health issue—not just this mm. thing that we talk about, but actually mm. recognized officially, which I think is um, depressing yet exciting at the same time.
1: Mm. Um,
0: so uh, that's that's um, it's interesting that you kind of you. Those are some of the downsides of this pursuit for perfection.
1: Mm. Definitely, and this, this idea of gathering more information or I don't know enough yet, you know, yes. extensive researching and extensive comparisons, these are some of the hallmarks of perfectionism, uh, whereas that idea of check, you know, go validate this, maybe you are on the right, right track and you've done enough and you can put it out there and then start working on your next thing um, rather than working, working, working. And I'd tell the story in my book about, I call it the, my uh, Barcelona all-nighter. So I was at a conference and we were learning about writing training programs and the team I was in, we, the four of us, we decided what we'd done wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And so we stayed up all night, like overnight, working on this thing. And so I already had jet lag and I'd worked all these additional hours. And you know what? What we'd done wasn't very much better so we put in all this extra effort and I'm sure it's that 80-20 principle, Yep. all the effort, but we'd actually done good enough the day before.
0: So that's, I, I love that you pivoted to a team-based example here, because that was actually where I was starting to get curious is that, you know, developing that own sort of inner awareness and intentionality mm. about choice and things that are kind of completely within my control, right? Am I doing unto my life or is my life doing unto me, right? That. Not I mean, definitely complexity, but not as much complexity as when you have multiple humans involved. So mm. when you start talking about this pursuit of perfection um, in a team setting, right? It's easy to get sort of wrapped around the axle on a topic and, and you know, going down the wombat hole and that inertia that a team can create around a topic and hijacking that. I think mm. is a much larger intervention than sort of personally hijacking that pursuit for perfection. So how do you go about really applying this more in the in the in a group mindset versus just that in that inner work?
1: Yeah, well, first it is this awareness. So knowing that perfectionism exists, that that many of us aspire to it and for it to be a conversation at work, I think is worthwhile. And for the leader or the, you know, the person who's most responsible for the work of the team is to keep an eye out for perfectionist behaviours. So anybody who's staying back late, you know, repeatedly working through lunch, not taking a break, not taking care of themselves or being hesitant to share or show their work, these are signs that that perhaps this person is putting extra un- unnecessary effort into something uh, that could be way good enough already if it was, you know, put amongst the team, worked by the team and advanced by the team. Um, But then, you know, we've all had probably stories about perfectionist bosses ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've worked for someone who had ridiculously high standards we couldn't meet. So this brings in some of my other thinking and expertise, which is around facilitation skills and um, the idea that the leader can be a facilitator and use facilitation skills to ask better questions you know clarifying questions are a perfect example and and ways to iterate in um, not iterate sorry elicit information um, just as we might do for gathering requirements but elicit information out of people in the team to see where are they up to you know we know this where are the obstacles what's holding you back and to bring that to a, a solution for the, either the team to help advance or for the leader to work on with that individual.
0: That's a good point. Um it's hard not to have my own brain hijack me of like, where's perfectionism showing up in my life right now? And what are the things that are going and how do I work on this awareness? And, you know, mm. all of this within myself, it's like, you know, uh, the benefit I get of having this conversation with you now before our listeners get to hear it is like, I can start improving on my own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is just really exciting. Um, and yeah, allowing, you know, people.
1: Otherwise, it, makes, it can make us hard to work with in a team, yeah. you know, that we, we might hold up and delay progress because mm-hmm. we're still checking or fixing or finalising something. So I think that kind of culture could be, could be enhanced by a leader, you know, to help just put, bring the information to the team and let's advance it together.
0: Absolutely. So this whole theme around pursuit of perfection and, 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 you know, all the work in this new book is, you know, the backbone of what your Agile 2019 keynote is about. Um, what hmm. are other things that if, if folks aren't uh, at the conference that um, they might miss uh, as part of that discussion you'll be leading?
1: Yeah, well, The whole concept of ish is probably making a lot of people, you know, the hair on their neck stand up, um, going, oh, no, the world needs to be better, not worse, or we can't have poorer quality, we need higher quality. So I I totally acknowledge there's a lot of thinking that will say or a lot of people who believe, no, we don't need worse, we need better. And I think that the point here is, as I've put in the book, to ish or not to ish. So it's it working out question. when is it? <laughs> yes, yes, it is the question. That is the question. When is it, and I say doable, acceptable, and feasible to ish? And I think of things where I don't want ish happening, and that is in healthcare. You know, I don't want a surgeon who's ish, or a dentist who's ish, or anyone who's handling food, or building a bridge, or flying a plane. Or designing a car and a classic example is the Takata airbag recall you know global problem many people killed the biggest product recall in the history of the world and it's because a a sequence of events showed that people had ished where they shouldn't have Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't good enough um but so I think any industry that has a standard or an expectation, we go for that and we want to hit that and achieve it. But um, do I will raise the point uh, in and did raise the point in the keynote that there are times when we will choose to ish, and other times it's just not appropriate, so we don't.
0: Yeah, discernment there, right? But being intentional about yes. it is important.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
0: That's great. So then I'll kind of, I'll turn us to the theme of women in agile a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, right. You Female leader um, in in the truest sense of being a leader, as well as a thought leader um, in the industry, published author, um, definitely successful. When you think about sort of your life's work and the the stuff that's gotten you here, uh, what kind of wisdom and advice do you have uh, as we continue to advance this agenda of women and Agile and, and greater equality within this industry?
1: Yeah, I think there's this. We can often have too close a connection between ourselves and the work that we're doing. So, a lot of our identity can be tied up in uh, the role we have, or the title, or the experience, or the story of where we've worked. And and my advice is don't use to not get too hung up on that. That you are so much more than your current role, and you're so much more than that job you had. Or you're so much more than that bad experience with that team where it didn't work out. Um, and these are the imperfections in us that make us so unique, right? So this I've had some rotten experiences, not just in work but in life. But it's these things together that have given me, you know, great resilience, lots of great experiences to draw from. And they're the things that make me imperfectly wonderful. Um, which means I bring a unique skill set and experience set to every person I meet and every you know organization I work with so it's it's about keeping a bit of a uh, bit of space between your experience and the things you've done and yourself and not not making that identity too too much of one and the same
0: yeah when well, it, it- brings up for me that it also kind of promotes a a level of diversity in life. And we know that there's richness from that diversity. Um, Because if we just sort of stay single threaded around, I define myself by my career and the work that I do, um, you can kind of end up being a little one note.
1: Mm, Yes. Yeah. And I think we've probably got friends in our circle who might have had the same role or lived in the same location or, you know, doing the same sort of thing and they're quite happy with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I'd say how might that hold you back if you're working in an Agile field and and with an Agile team? The ability to take on new things. I was with some friends the other night, how about we go to a different restaurant? Oh, that's a bit out there. <laughs> oh <laughs> so, no, breaking a habit. <laughs> that's right. How how willing are we to, to try and improvise and, and test out something new? Because, you know, remember, we've got this wealth of experience. It's there. It will help us cope. But I still see this, it's connected to this fear of I'll look stupid, I'll f- I'm you know, fearful of looking bad or incompetent or fear of failing. And so the perfectionist tends to play safe, uh, yeah. do the same sorts of things, minimise risk and do well at the things they do well at.
0: Yeah, well, it makes um, me also... It, it makes me also think that this helps um, almost with uh, brain health and preserving mm. neuroplasticity, right? By mm. by not getting stuck in those sort of ingrained habits and trying new things, we keep our brain more alive, um, which can contribute to just overall greater well-being and health sort of in life um, as well. Yes. And I, I never really thought about it that way before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what a great reason to keep exploring and adventuring. You know, wow. I'm looking after
0: my brain health. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, um, you know, a brain, in, a brain in motion stays in motion, maybe? Mm. You know, something yes. like that. I don't know yeah. uh, what we yeah. might be able to come up with there. Um, let's see, what else might be useful to share with our listeners? Uh,
1: I'd like to come back to that point about we can sometimes not be such a good judge of the quality of our own work so we can dismiss and reject our our own um, creativity or our own ideas or our own thinking before we even, you know, put it out there. Again, it's the inner critic or we dismiss and reject ourselves first so that others don't. And I think we need to really put the pause on that. And, and put our thinking and ideas out there and not reject them first. It's connected to all that. Don't apologize, you know, don't don't dismiss or minimize what you're doing. Put it out there.
0: Um, Give ourselves a little, little more credit up front. Yes, yes, definitely. We might be smarter than we think we are.
1: Oh, we are. We um, so are.
0: <laughs> and we know, I, I know at least I might own worst critic. And I hold myself to a standard higher than what many other people hold for me. And uh, mm. as a result, I find perfectionism showing up quite a bit. Uh, you just kind of have to, oh, there's almost the gift of when you have intentionally gone with an ish and you get yes. good feedback on it. And it's like, oh gosh, well, that was good <laughs> enough. That, how convenient. Perhaps, right. I, perhaps I've been overdoing other things in my life. <laughs>
1: yeah I think you, you reveal a great point which is we um, accidentally ish all the time and that's because the deadline comes or we run out of time or it's you know we have to take a pet to the vet or some you know some timeline comes and makes us stop what we're working on and so my view is we can deliberately ish and thanks to things like the spotlight effect which makes us think that people are paying more attention to us than they are um, they're actually not, and most people won't notice that you're ishing, but you'll have less pressure on yourself, and your stuff's pretty good as it is.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm going <laughs> to more intentionally ish and not ish uh, <laughs> I'm as I go forward. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps uh, that will be a new thing to journal about a couple times a week. <laughs> How yeah, did I finish not? Not today?
1: Cool. Yeah, becoming like more aware, as you say, more tuned into it, more intentional about it. And watch what happens and watch who doesn't notice. Uh, a colleague the other day sent me a message. She'd, she'd started reading my book and she said, I haven't even finished it yet, but today I ished. She ished on a presentation she had to give at work, had done less than she would normally. And she said it it went fine. And she would lowered, not so much lowered her standard, but said, I'm just going for ish on this. Yeah. And it it was super it hit the mark and it did the job and she was happier for it.
0: Um, um, ish confessions of, of, a, of, a, of a sense <laughs> yes. it, do you have a hashtag or anything you're using and in, in like social media around the the new book?
1: yeah it's been ish book ish o k or or ish but ish book is um, is a place where some people have been sharing their stories. Um, adding to some of my LinkedIn posts or yeah social media stuff. So and it's really you, good to hear.
0: Yeah, I think we need to start some ish confessions um, from <laughs> everybody like because if you know the vulnerability of I leaned into ish today might uh, create a tipping point for folks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that, that nobody knew, you know I yeah. did it. I did and it. and the sky didn't fall in and everything was fine and I felt better about it and hallelujah. <laughs>
0: I love it I love it well then thanks for making the time today before we wrap up any final thoughts for folks um
1: yeah I think just to remind people you're better than you think you are (laughs) you know you're better than you think you are the the work you've done the experience you have the ideas you have um a lot of a lot of us have been kind of held back or or withheld. And it's a great time to let it all fly, you know, put some of your your ideas out there, no matter how good or otherwise you think they are. I'm behind you.
0: <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, Lynn, so much for making this time. This has been a great chat. I'll be excited to get it out for all of our listeners.
1: Thank you, Leslie. It's been a pleasure.
0: You're Thanks. welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit, as well as Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or coworker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find more inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at